Welcome to A Runner's Life Podcast. I'm Marcus Brown. Episode number one, I will be joined by my coach John and we will be talking about the coronavirus and how to run safely and stay motivated. So to start off, John has been my coach since 2017. Uh, welcome, John. Thanks, Marcus. Good to be here. Uh, and he coaches uh, runners uh, across the world, mostly uh, Ireland, UK, Scandinavia, mainland Europe, Kenya and America. Uh, the athletes range from beginners through to elites and compete in all distances from 1,500 metres to 24-hour uh, ultras. Um, so that's a little bit of a taster. But John, could you give the listeners a little bit more of an introduction about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I'm 55 so, and I've had a colourful life, so I could talk for a long time, but I try to keep it just to the sport and the coaching. Um, I started running when I was 10 uh, competitively at school, but then started training when I was 15. Um, I had a little bit of talent, but not a massive amount. And I was fortunate enough to qualify for the English schools, national track championships, which is one of the highlights of my running career. Um, and then in my early 20s, uh, I managed to get down to running sub-15 for 5K, 1457, 68 for a half marathon, and 357 for 1500. But what I noticed was that my real talent, or I believe my real talent, was more in helping other people and coaching. So from the age of 18 onwards, I was informally coaching people and helping people, and I got a lot more enjoyment out of that than um, the actual running itself. And then that's, okay. if we fast forward a little bit to early 30s, I, I ended up working at Oxford University. Um, I set up a company called Peak Sport and Performance, and I looked after 50-odd sports teams at Oxford University doing all their fitness testing, physio, um, nutrition, and strength and conditioning, and coaching quite a few athletes there. And from there, that was a springboard into the more form, much more formal coaching, especially with the running. And since then, I've been coaching uh, people all around the world, uh, for, uh, as you said in your intro there, from beginners through elites. Oh, fantastic. So you've also had like a passion from running from the start and... Obviously, like coaching is obviously like an, another ball game, though. So, um, I, huge respect for you for, for doing it. I don't think I could do it. Um, anyhow, less about myself and more about yourself. Um, so, we're here really to talk about the coronavirus and the impact that it's had on runners and just the general state of running. So, during this uh, pandemic, how could runners? Uh, what would you advise would you give them to stay safe whilst running? Yeah. Um... That's a big question, but there's, there's, there's two elements to it, really. I suppose following the government guidelines uh, about social distancing or social isolation and running by yourself and making sure you're not passing it on to other people or catching up with other people's one part of it, um, which I think everybody's conversant with now. Um, the other part is also being careful with how you train during this time um, because there's a possibility that if you're training too hard, that you could suppress your immune system and by training too hard, I mean too much speed work or too much mileage and not getting enough recovery and rest, not just from the running point of view, but from stress outside regarding the, vi the virus and family and work as well, um, that you could end up getting quite sick yourself if you caught the virus. So I think it's important to plan out and work out a structure for the next six, seven months really through this, um, initially probably the first three or four months through the virus, and then after that, then heading into the autumn, when probably most of your listeners will be looking at marathons and key races when the racing season starts back again. Okay. I mean, you've touched on immunity and with so much conflicting information about what's true and what's true, um, 
this global challenge that we're facing is unprecedented, unprecedented um, and you know how we sort of solve it. I mean, that's for people smarter than myself to to work out. But um, there's been so many conflicting reports uh, about immunity. Um, does running, you know, lower it or does it support the immune system? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? You touched on stress there. Yeah, again, that's a very important question because it depends on the individual. For example, my wife, she runs five times a week. She gets up in the morning, she goes and runs four or five miles and she very rarely gets sick. So her immune system is really strong um, because she's not overstressing it. She's running just to keep healthy and fit. When you start introducing a competitive nature to it or challenging yourself to run more mileage and putting in speed work, then obviously part of what we're trying to do is to stress our system. So when we stress it, we're then vulnerable to pick up illnesses. And that's where recovery comes in. And then the adaptations come in as well. So we have to be careful not to overstress the system. Um, And as I've spoken with all of my athletes is in these next few months, a key area to work in is work around threshold because it's quite a safe area. So if you're working on, I suppose for most people, uh, the, the pace of they could hold for a race that would last an hour. That's a good area to train in with your speed work um, because it's not too intense and it's not too long uh, and you are actually making progress, but you're not hammering your immune system that way. Now, regarding the immune system and the virus and how vulnerable vulnerable you are, like you are not an epidemiologist, but my understanding of this virus is, is that when it actually gets into the system, it tricks the system and it turns our immune system onto itself to destroy itself. So, it doesn't matter too much how strong, well, it does matter, of course, how strong your immune system is, but yeah. everybody's immune system's different. So it's difficult to say precisely how it will work in terms of running. So I think the safest way is if we just back off a little bit and you'll know yourself if you're overtired from the training, but if you feel good with your training, I think you'll probably be safe. And that's probably the best guideline really by going by feel on an individual basis. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, the advice would be that if you say you had like a spring marathon, it doesn't mean that it's an opportunity for you to now run it, you know, by yourself, like a virtual sort of race type thing, because you're putting stress in your body. But then I guess concurrently, when you're uh, at home, you know, there's probably a different set of stresses, you know, from if you've got kids or work pressures and you can't leave your property. I mean, that's another set of stress, stress there. So, I mean, I guess stress can come at you from different sort of angles. And I think, like you say, it's just important to, uh, do things not to add to that um running wise yeah absolutely it's very important um i know that some people have decided to go and run their spring marathons by themselves as virtual races uh, and that's up to the individual but once you've you've run a 26 mile race virtual or otherwise your immune system's definitely compromised for probably 24 hours plus uh, depending on what you do afterwards and how you recover and what other stresses are around and right now well, there'll be very few people that aren't feeling stressed with the virus because it's not just about ourselves, it's about the family and extended family and worrying about a number of things. So there is sort of underlying stress there for everybody. So it's important, I suppose, in the immediate future, just to be careful and not overdo things. As you know, nearly everybody that I coach have uh, had down weeks for the last couple of weeks as they yeah. transition from the spring marathon training to cope with what's going on at the moment with the virus and then can adapt. And as we know a little bit more, then we can start working as we as we move out. So, But you're right, there's so many other stresses other than just running as well. And it's important to be aware of them 
So keeping an eye on sleep, on, on your nutrition. And if you're locked in the house and you're getting cabin fever with a family, yeah. that you get out and you get some fresh air. And that just being aware of everybody else around you as well. Because as we know, runners tend to be a little bit selfish. And yeah. now is a time to sort of have a little bit more sympathy and empathy with other people around you. Um, and maybe put this running into perspective whilst it's still important, but just realise there's something a little bit bigger that might need a bit more of your attention right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's such a, this is actually bigger than running, you know, it sh- shows you what's actually important. Um, so moving on, I mean, there's quite a few countries, that are, you know, enforce a lot stricter lockdown. So for people that can't run outside, what would you advise that they do? Yeah, um, so, some people have treadmills, um, which obviously, then that's obviously straightforward. They can run on their treadmills. If you don't have a treadmill and you can't get outside, yeah. um, I think it is important to try to do some sort of fit, some sort of exercise and not just let yourself go completely just for your own sanity and also for your well-being as well. Yeah. So there are a number of different things that you can do. It's a great time to work on some of the weak areas. So if somebody's had some niggles or injuries, you could work on some strength and conditioning, some mobility work. You can even do things like skipping, get a skipping rope, or maybe yeah. uh, some people might have a, a bike inside, you know, one of the turbo trainers, you know, to get on that. Um, and just generally do it, even if even if you're limited in terms of space, it could just be something simple as terms of walk, walking up and down the stairs, you know, just getting up and walking around in the house at times as well. I think the main thing is not to just like turn yourself into uh, so just sitting there and eating all day long and waiting for the virus yeah. to, to, to pan out because we don't know how long it will be. So it'd be important to prepare for that because it, like in the UK, it's a bit different to over here in Ireland and I suppose, which is again different to in Italy, for example. So in the UK, with the restrictions that came in yesterday, you are still allowed to go out to run, but it could be worth preparing for maybe a couple of weeks down the road that there might be a time for a week or two weeks or longer where you might not be able to get outside. So it could be an idea to start uh, having a little look around at different things that you could do. So if that does happen, you're not panicking and you're ready for it as well. So I, I think it's been a sort of fleet of foot and being ready to adapt and react and being proactive as well and prepared. So there's loads of different sort of things online at the moment for strength and condition and cardio exercise yeah. that you can do in the home that won't necessarily improve your fitness massively, but it might yeah. mean that your fitness doesn't drop off too much uh, if you're having to miss time from running. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you see people out there buying toilet rolls and nappies or diapers for the for American listeners. Um, and now treadmills um, seem to be sold out as well. So um, <laughs> I think people are preparing uh, for, for, you know, not being able to go out. I mean, alternatively, I've seen people online, you know, running on their balconies or, you know, running laps around the house just to do like five or 10K and, you know, fair play to them. So you've got to do what you need to do. Yeah, actually, uh, just just on that note, um, one of the lads I, I I coach, good runner from the Cork area, a guy called Paul Maloney, he's fifty one minute guy for ten miles. Yeah. Uh, he got me a kipper yesterday with this because I'd said to him it might be a good idea just to uh, not stockpile, but just prepare because they have young children to get a few things that you might need uh, in case of the initial you know queuing and things that are going to be outside the shops. So he sent me yeah. a message asking if I could resolve an argument between him and his wife. And you wouldn't believe okay. the things coaches have to do at times. So I said, yeah, of course. And he said, did you or did you not agree that it would be a good idea to get a few essentials? So I said, yes. And then on the WhatsApp message came, my wife doesn't agree that this is an essential. And there was a picture of a treadmill. So he'd gone and bought a treadmill <laughs> and counted as an essential. 
essential. So, yeah, people are obviously <clears throat> doing certain things at the moment to prepare for lockdowns and things. I think if you have to have a conversation with the athlete and then their partners, you probably have two different conversations about <laughs> what's essential, what's required. <laughs> oh, absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah. I think if I had my wife on this uh, podcast, it would be a different conversation to uh, <laughs> and the things I'd be saying. Um, but moving back onto running, mm-hmm. I mean, if lockdown rules become like more stringent as they are in certain countries, and you you know you can't train, I mean. Say for people that can't get treadmills, and um, they know they are doing a certain activity, say skipping or you know just moving around the house, but say they couldn't run, they didn't have a bike. I mean, realistically, how much fitness would you lose, and like what's the sort of time scales we're looking at? It's like a period of weeks if you weren't running. Yeah, um, that, that that's a question you often see people addressing in things like Runners World and things. But again, it's uh, it's quite a vague answer, but it is specific to the individual, and it depends how long how long the lockdown is. But just to give some people some hope and confidence in if this does happen, so if it's if it's a week, you're not going to really lose much uh, much fitness at all. You know, you're, yeah. you're talking maybe it'll take another extra week to get the fitness back. If it's a little bit longer, if you're talking about three weeks or four weeks, you'll definitely lose some fitness. But the secret is, is when you come back, is not to jump straight back in and rush to build your fitness quickly. Is to start off basically, and what I'd recommend people do, and this is what I do when anybody's been injured, I always start them yeah. back like this, is to start off with 35 minutes a day and build up each week from 35 to 45 to 55 to 65 minutes. So if you run yeah. three, four, five, six, or seven times a week, depending on what most people do, but to build that way and you're fine, by the time you're back up to 65 minutes a day, is roughly then you're ready to start doing workouts and sessions. And that's what I yep. use with everybody. If somebody's coming back from a stress fracture or they've been out for a long time with illness um, or if they're a beginner. Um, so that's how I always build people up. And it works really effectively because the body can sort of adjust and come back. You'll also find as well um, that your default fitness, I'll just explain that in a second, will come back yep. quickly. So if, for example, if somebody's a three-hour marathon runner, and uh, which I think is about 6.50, 6.52 pace per mile, um, yep. it might be when they're coming back that they're struggling to hit that pace uh, for the first couple of weeks. But that pace will come back a lot quicker than you realize. You're talking maybe three or four weeks. That pace will be back there. Now, you might not be able to hold it for a full marathon, but the pace will be there. And then it's a matter of just building up the miles and getting back into your fitness and training. And again, it depends on how you come back and the type of sessions you do on how quickly your fitness will come back. But generally, the general rule is it's normally twice as long as the time that you've been off as it takes to get back to your fitness. That's a general rule. Okay. But like you said, I mean, you've got that default sort of core fitness you've got. So even if you weren't to run for a certain amount of time, you know, it's not doom and gloom type thing. You can build it up back again. And so, um, yeah, I'll give you a really good example of that. I mean, I I could use you, but I'll use somebody else. For example, uh, a lot of people that know of Aoife Cook, the Irish national marathon champion, whom I coach, um, she did, she ran the Dublin marathon in October, ran 2.32. Now, after that, uh, she took off effectively 10 days. So, and she was a little bit concerned about, you know, maybe if, if a fitness would go, but I explained to her what you need is you, those 10 days afterwards, the training that you've done up onto there, your body will recover and adapt and come back stronger. But she didn't come back in 10 days in the same shape she was in the Dublin marathon. It took about another four weeks to get her back up to fitness. But then that was a springboard and she became fitter after that as well from having that recovery. Now, if you look at most, yeah. most elite runners, like really top elite runners, they'll take yeah. off a month a year, maybe even longer, six weeks a year. 
at the end of a season, they might take three weeks off or four weeks off, no running at all. And then they'll just build back slowly. What we tend to find is with people who run for fun, health and fitness, and even sub elites are scared to take time off. When in fact, yeah. taking time off can actually be the most important part of the training that you do. So if there is a lockdown and you're locked down for two, three, four weeks, don't panic about it. It's a good time to rest and recover and allow your body to get rid of any niggles. And as we've said already, to work on some of the other areas of your fitness. No, for sure. Um, it's been such a strange time and I'll sort of give some experiences of how I felt and I'm not sure other people can relate. Um, when we got the new breaking news of what was happening, um, you know, I took the pragmatic approach of thinking, okay, you know, just keep, tr- keep training, you know, don't sort of fall off too much. But then like a lot of people, if you've got a goal, it's disappointing. So you think, oh, you know, I had a London marathon coming up. So I thought, you know, it was a little bit disappointment there, a bit of sadness for, a short amount of time uh, but then you come out of your shell and you realize actually you know there's a big old world out there and there's things more important than running you know the nhs and doctors all over the world you know they're under a lot of pressure um you know this is bigger than this is bigger than running you know people have got vulnerable uh, relatives or you know got responsibility so this is much bigger than running so that helped me kind of get a bit more perspective now i can imagine as a coach you you not only see, you know, the, the training side uh, of, of like a runner, but you get to see the inner side of them and like how they tick probably more so than say their friends would, would sort of see for sure. Um, so you get a really good insight to people's lives. So what's the sort of spectrum of reactions from runners that you've seen that you coach from, I guess, from panic, sort of, sort of panic up to sort of just not really caring so much? Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic question on so many levels. Um I think even as a coach, you feel that as well. Uh, so as, as this kicked in and all of the hard work that I've done with a lot of people, I was feeling each person, like I suppose vicariously, each person's pain in that they weren't yeah. able to run their marathons and get their goals as well. And it was frustrating for me too. But as a coach, you have to sort of put that to one side because as a coach, you're more of a, a giver and a sponge. You yeah. soak up other people's problems and you give back. As a runner, running is quite selfish. Um, so it's understandable when people have invested so much time and effort into something and it's been taken away from them, that something that wasn't their fault, um, that they've a little bit disappointed or upset. So on that, on that spectrum to put it into context, we could look at three different examples. So we can look at Aoife Cook, for example, whom I mentioned earlier, who was training for the Olympics and spent the last like 16 months training really hard. And that's just been wiped away from her completely. On initially, yeah. so there was a lot of disappointment yeah. there, but she was quite pragmatic about it and thought, okay, with the virus, it's possible that the Olympics will be cancelled. That that means yeah. she can get have a bit more time getting fitter. She can run an autumn marathon, run faster again, and then when she goes to the Olympics in 2021, as it now transpires, it will be she'll be a lot more competitive and can compete for a medal there as opposed to just turning up and running in the Olympics. That's one example. Another good example yeah. is Pordrick Sheehan, who's a physiotherapist in Dublin. He was pretty much running about 37 minutes for 10K. Over the last six months, his fitness has come along and he's probably ready to run 32 minutes for 10K and push yeah. on and then run probably a sub-230 marathon. He's had all of that taken away from him as well. But to put some real context on that, as a physio in the Beaumont Hospital in Dublin, he's now not working as a physio. He's now working dealing with the COVID virus or the coronavirus. And for yeah. him, it's a pretty straightforward thing. The, the running just gets parked. It's frustrating. But as you said, there are more important things, and he's there now saving lives. So, And that yeah. obviously gives a lot more 
um, I suppose, self-worth and meaning to your life than, than running does. Then on another level, yeah. um, I've got a number of runners who are frustrated because races are being cancelled on a personal level. And what they've found is that now with the schools being closed, that the children are coming home um, and their initial reaction is, OK, as a parent is, OK, I have to deal with this situation. And they go into crisis management mode. So they're setting up the Internet to get the kids ready for school, to speak to their teachers. They're trying to find ways of getting the dinners done and other things that they're doing and getting out for runs as well. Yeah. Uh, but then it slowly works up behind the stress level. And I've had a couple of people sort of kind of breaking down a little bit and being upset and trying to cope with it all yeah. because they're starting to soak up the magnitude of what's going on in the world right now. And it's something that yeah. they can't control. So part of my job as a coach is to take people through that process and put it into perspective along with the running as well and show them that there is a way through this. And a great example is your, yourself as well, is you were 75% through your on the way through your London marathon training to run a 250 marathon. But yeah. here's the good news. You didn't dump that training in a race. So now that fitness is still there that you have. You've had a couple of down weeks. Now, when you start training again and building up, if we keep you on the threshold area, as I mentioned earlier, where it's safe to train, you're adding some ice yep. into the cake. The training that you've done has been banked. It's like putting money in the bank and you haven't spent that yep. money. It's still sitting there. Now, when we sharpen you up a little bit with threshold training, it will improve yep. your fitness. And then when you run a marathon in the autumn, you're going to run much faster than you would have done in the spring. And the spring has been like the platform for that big PB that will come in the autumn. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's money in the bank for sure. So uh, just keep adding interest to it. Uh, and we've spoken about, you know, running, but we've also spoken about this global crisis, which is quite serious. Now, obviously, you've touched upon that like, running feels a little bit less important. And you've also noted about, um, my, my, you know, um, another example of, I think it was Jonathan you mentioned, who um, who's obviously not gone from running to helping out in the hospital with um, just the work they're doing with the physio work. Now, what can people do in their day-to-day lives to sort of help make a sort of positive impact just outside of running, do you think? Yeah, that's, a, that's another good one as well. It's something I thought about personally because a lot of my time is from 6 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night, seven days a week. I'm doing coaching because I coach all people all around the, the world. And I'm thinking to myself, I need to be doing something as well. So I think the first thing to do is, uh, as we said earlier, or as I mentioned earlier about running being a selfish thing, is it's a good yeah. time to have a little look at that and start off, first of all, with the immediate family and see what the people around you need because they will need you um, at this time. Yeah. I've noticed it myself with my own family. Um, my wife was kind of a bit flippant about the thing as it started. And then within the last few days, it's kind of built up to her as she's starting to get a bit worried about it. So part of that job is to just to reassure the people around you as well because yeah. there's a lot of strength comes from running there's a lot of discipline and we know that we can go through a lot of things and you need to just take that and transform it into a, a, a sort of a emotional therapy for the people around you as well so use the strength that you gain yeah. from running to help other people you see a lot of people doing it i mean you've done a lot of these things for charities as well that a lot of people do but then you can start with your family then you extend it out to yeah. maybe your parents and grandparents as well because they're going to need some help like my my mum's had a stroke recently and she's got copd so at the moment i'm yeah. having to go and do her shopping and making sure and explain to her she needs to stay in and why without panicking her and the next stage beyond that is then if there are any neighbours around you as well. Um, and this is where you could combine things, even like run into the shop to pick up a message for somebody, you know, some shopping for an elderly neighbour. So you can combine the running with yeah. helping people as well. So there are ways that you can do it. You just need to sit and think. And as I suppose as this progresses, we'll see more and more 
the, the, the beauty in, in mankind as well as people put themselves aside to help other people. And that hopefully will be one of the things that come out of this virus. One of the pluses is that people will come back to interact with other people and help with other people and be a lot kinder. I, I'm confident that that will happen. And uh, I think when you see the, the way that runners are and how much work they do and charity work they do for other people, yeah. that that will transform and you'll see a lot of good community spirit from runners and other sports people as well, because sports people are fantastic at this sort of stuff. And I think it could be that yeah. out of this virus, it could be the trigger for something a lot better. No, I agree. I think it's, although it's a, a strange time, it's like you said, it's good for uh, human connection. Uh, where I live, for example, we, uh, it's like, leaflets that go out uh, to help uh, you know vulnerable uh, people and we've got like a whatsapp group for the street and you can imagine there's a lot of people on the street so and we all sort of just chip in see what people need or you know like that so whereas before we didn't have that so i think you know at least afterwards i at least know my my neighbors further down the road was typically say in the uk or whatever you might know your neighbors three four doors down but then everyone else you kind of forget <laughs> <laughs> so but now at least know the people way way down the road now so i think it, it increases sort of that community bond which is a good thing yeah I, I remember living in the uk and not knowing my neighbors and i was there for two years you know i didn't know the neighbors either side of me in ireland it's the opposite uh, you, you yeah. know all your neighbours because if you don't they know you so now one of the good things about the virus is, is you can put some distance between you and your neighbours at times as well so nosy neighbours so. but having said that the, the, the community in Ireland is fantastic people really do look out for each other so I mean that's something that's really yeah. stopped, stopped me in my tracks with Ireland people are fantastic at looking after people here um, that's good to hear. Uh, so moving back to running and as races start to drop off the calendar, spring races and move into the you know, latter part of the year, uh, runners can you know, obviously start to feel disconnected from the sport and from the fellow runners. What tips can you give runners to help stay connected to their running groups during this time? Yeah, um, I think what, with, with social media, things like Strava and Instagram and Facebook, there's lots of groups popping up at the moment to, to actually f- uh, sate that desire or that need that you're talking about there, the demand for you know the socialization part of it. Um, and there's virtual races as well. Now, one, one of the guys that I run with regularly, a guy called Michael O'Regan, um, he's a big fan of the history of running and he came up with a thing called the Verhoyle, the match. Now, there was a famous Dutch coach from years ago called Verhoyle and he would often give his runners yeah. um, time trials uh, or li- little races within training. So it's something you can do and set up and it's something I will be using with the people that I coach is like handicap races. So you, for example, might be racing against Aoife Cook, who we talked about earlier there, a 10K race, working out a handicap yeah. um, on... The, like say say if Aoife's 32 and you're 34 you might have a two minute head start on Aoife when you go to do your virtual run or not a virtual run you might be outside running uh on your course yeah and then I can bring in other people as well and put the handicap system in there so you are even though you're running by yourself you are interacting with them and you can communicate then on social media afterwards and say things like oh I didn't think I could that you would beat me that two minutes was too big of a head start and things like that so there's ways of doing it that way and there are little groups popping up on Facebook as well that's starting to do this. So I think this is a time when social media, from a running point of view, could be good as well uh, with the virtual races and the interaction and people passing on advice and tips and things as well about the things that we're talking like yeah. well, what we're doing now as well, what you're doing. This podcast is a great way to help and inform people uh, you know, and things to keep them connected during this time. 
Yeah, for sure. And you see a lot of people putting videos up about exercises they can do at home or, you know, you know, so much um, just uh, technology now where you can, like, you know, just do like a virtual meeting and connect that way, you know. Um, I think the, the important thing really is just to like keep that that social distance really and just follow the government advice of which, whether whichever country you're in at that, at that time. But uh, I think yeah, virtual races are you know definitely a good way to go and to sort of keep people you know yeah, connected as just, well. Yeah, just on that, it just made me think of something there what you mentioned there uh, about the videos and things. Uh, like last night, Aoife Cook did a strength and conditioning class live on Facebook or something yeah. like that. And people from all around the world joined in with it. So there was that connection. So you knew that other people were there doing it while you were doing it as well. So that's another option that you've got as well. You could even video your runs as well and share them. I know people are doing that as well with GoPros and the small cameras and things and their phones. So there's, yeah. there's lots of ways of doing it, definitely. I'm not sure people... Are- People would watch from the beginning to the end if my easy runs. It's quite slow. So, uh, <laughs> unless you try to get brownie points there, Mark, it's because uh, you know that I like people running slow on their easy runs. Uh, I, I saw what you did there. Ah, uh, for sure. <laughs> um, so, I mean, people often speak about you know the journey rather than destination. I think that 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 sort of terms those terms get used quite. Wild, widely, I think before the coronavirus sort of hit, and I don't think it was probably used the rights of intentions but with now so many races being postponed i think people are actually having to look at it um you know more more in detail and see what that actually means to them i mean there's potential that even though the races say have been postponed until the latter part of the year that they could be cancelled and then postponed until next year um with runners being quite goal focused uh, people like a type people for example moving the goalposts can be quite challenging for some people and can create a certain degree of uncertainty. So what would you, advice would you give people that, you know, are training with just potentially an un- for an unconfirmed time without any race goals uh, being actually uh, set and in That's concrete? a great one, Mark, isn't it? It's something I've been thinking about the last few days because obviously we're learning as we're going along with the virus and what's going to happen. There has been talk. Yeah. Uh, the Imperial College put out a paper saying that this might last for 12 to 18 months. There's also talk about if we squash the curve down and then we relax the restrictions, it might bounce back up again. So whilst the everybody's all, all the race organisers seem to be putting their races in around October time, September, October time and beyond, there is a possibility because we don't know that they could be cancelled. So your question is a really valid question. And how do you, how do you cope with that? And I think the answer lies yeah. into a couple of questions ago when we were asking about the methods to keep yourself motivated. So if you're following the training, say, for example, you're a marathon runner and you decide for the next four months you're going to work on threshold or your 10-mile time and improve in that, yeah. and you do the things that we talked about, the the, the cyber races or the Vahoyal matches uh, that Michael O'Regan mentioned to me before and little time trials, yeah. there you can see your fitness improving. So that will give you the reward. It's like in training, if you're – if you're running PBs in training, um, you know that the fitness is going yeah. and that motivation keeps you going. So when you come out of this, wherever yeah. it will wherever be or whenever it will be, um, you'll know that you're going to be at a much higher level of fitness than you were when we went into it. And you'll be dying to race and you'll yeah. take big, big chunks or people will take big chunks off their time. For me, the way I'm looking at it is come um, October time, if, every, if the racing is going ahead, People were, if somebody was expecting to run a, a three hour marathon or a 255 marathon in the spring, I will be expecting them to run 240 in the autumn. 
So if that then gets pushed back yeah. f- farther out and further out rather into um, the spring next year, then again, I would expect yeah. them to run faster again. Just because you don't do the race, it doesn't yeah. mean you're not improving. And the and the measures, yeah. a, if, if you're being coached or even by yourself, you set yourself the little goals in the training to measure your fitness as you go along. That could be a time trial. It could be a virtual race. It could even be if we're allowed to get back out and run in groups, but with social isolation, we could even set up. But another thing that I've done in Kenya with my Kenyan athletes is where you hunt people down. So you give somebody a head start. Like if, yeah. if me and you were racing each other, you might give me a head start of five minutes and I'm worried about you catching me yeah. and you're trying to catch me. But in the meantime, we're kind of racing each other and seeing our fitness improve. So there yeah. are methods and ways. It's just you have to adapt and go along. So I wouldn't plan for the spring. What I would do, I would plan for the autumn as because that's what we know or we believe that's going to happen at the moment. But have along the way the little yeah. markers to measure your fitness just to keep you motivated and in fairness six to seven months isn't a long time because most coaches that's ideally what they want the kenyans this is how they train they don't race all of the time the way we do over here they build up properly and when they race yeah. they race really hard and uh, and again that's the same yeah. with most top athletes as well they'll spend long blocks over through the winter training quite hard and coming out in the spring especially with the marathon runners as well not racing for six months before a marathon isn't necessarily a bad thing. I, I mean, ideally, yes, you would want some yeah. races along the way uh, in the earlier part, but it's not necessarily a bad thing because you can work on areas of your fitness and work on your 10 mile speed in training and then extend out so that your marathon, and then when you get into your marathon specific block, I'm, as you know, I'm a firm believer of not racing in the marathon specific block. So I don't believe that the athletes should really race yeah. in the 10 to 12 weeks before a marathon anyway, unless somebody struggling with the necessary speed and you want to drop in a 10 mile or a half marathon just to give the, the speed a little tickle. So it, from a coaching yeah. point of view, it's like a coach's dream to have this six or seven month block with athletes, because we know that when we get you through this, there's big improvements are coming. Yeah. Now that makes a lot of sense because I, I probably not helped you uh, previously with um, the races that I've, uh, I've dropped on your <laughs> tape on your laptop thing. And I think like a lot of coaches are saying, they're probably thinking just have a couple, but then us as runners are like, oh, there's another race here, there's another race here, I'd like to do this race. And it's something that I've um, I've learned and I'm still learning to adapt to in terms of uh, running less races, but having a more focus on the races that uh, I'm going for. So potentially this is a good opportunity for, I guess, for people to kind of, who maybe raced too much previously um, to, you know, get a bit more focus on what maybe their longer term goals are um so do you think it's probably like a good time really just to help people get a bit more refocused on sort of developing the basics and what kind of focus on what really matters uh yeah absolutely to them? <laughs> definitely is i think i think for most people uh well a lot of people will run for fun but let's say you're, you're running to improve and, yeah. and, and to get faster then that's the goal and the best yeah. way to do that i know it depends on the, the event if you're a middle distance runner or 5,000 meter runner on the track, then you need racing. That's important. And you need racing if you're a marathoner as yeah. well. So, and even ultra marathons. But I think the farther you go in terms of distance, marathon and ultra running, uh, for me, I don't think it's a good idea to race too much because racing takes, yeah. is, it, as we said earlier, like training is depositing 
the money and racing's withdrawing. So if you're going to withdraw the money, you go and blow it properly and you make sure you race hard and do it, unless it's racing to yeah. like to get the rust off and the stepping stone. But definitely, yes, now's the time to reevaluate yeah. and set yourself goals and say to yourself, I can, you've, you've got a seven month block or six or seven month block now of training where you can really go in uninterrupted and head towards a decent goal and taking a good bit of time off, off your training. You'll be, people will be surprised how much you can take off. Uh, for me, with a over this period of a year, somebody should be looking at most levels from say, if, if somebody's a free thirty marathon runner in a year, they should be looking to get down under three hours over a year, a year long period. If somebody's a yeah. three hour marathoner now, I would say you should be looking to run like low two forties come the the autumn. If somebody's a, a yeah. two forty marathon runner now, they should be looking to get sub two thirty in the autumn. Somebody's a 230 marathon runner now, they should be looking at 225. These are the sort of goals that we're talking about. They're substantial goals, but they're, they're eminently doable as well if the training is structured in a progressive way and towards, uh, towards a goal. Now, if that goal gets taken away, as you mentioned earlier, in the autumn, it doesn't really matter because, yeah. again, you've got the fitness and you haven't dumped it on a race, and then you just rebuild again and go again, and you've set the little markers along the way. So definitely to answer your set question in, in one sentence, yes, it is a great time to reevaluate and set goals for yourself. No, for sure. But the thing I find with goals and say, like, motivation is, you know, it's quite easy to be, like, you know, sitting your couch where it's comfortable and think you know i'm just gonna seven eight months i'm gonna train for this race down the line you know get there but then time passes and you know what you're saying it goes quickly and you can you can miss it so some people in this situation probably will like keep going or they might dial back on what their goals are i mean what sort of tips of sort of mindset can you give to um, the listeners that to sort of keep that focus so they don't kind of just get too comfortable or just kind of um to take that sort of foot off the gas. Yeah, so I, th- I think if you use this as the starting point, so with some people, they'll have a, a good bit of fitness that they've built up over the last few months. So there's that group, or there might be somebody who's coming back from an injury right now. For somebody who's come back from an injury right now, yeah. it's stepping stones towards, say, the autumn and set yourself little goals along the way. Because yeah. the little goals along the way, it might be getting from 35 minutes a day, as we spoke about earlier, up to 65. Once you're up to 65, you're ticking the boxes yeah. and you know it, you've achieved, you've made that that jump in fitness, then you add in the workouts and then you build from there and so on. Now, for somebody, say, like yourself, who's missed yeah. out on the marathon, you've got your fitness level here. Again, you set yourself the little goals along the way and don't put them too far away because I agree with you, from now till the autumn is too far away. Of a, it's too long-term for most people. So you need the, the, the goals along the yeah. way. They could be a 5K, 10K, 10-mile uh, time trial along the way to measure fitness or certain yeah. that you want to do a certain session in certain times by so for example if it were let's say we were training for a marathon and i know we're not at the moment because of the virus and it's, it's a bit farther down the road but let's say somebody wants to run yeah. uh, some free hour marathon which is 250 uh, sorry 652 pace uh it might be at the moment they can run eight miles at that pace so what they should set themselves a goal as saying okay in a month's time i want to be able to do 10 or 11 miles at 6.52 pace, make it achievable, but just a little bit, so there's a little bit of a presser there, yeah. a little bit of stress to get there. 
and boom, they go, yeah. they do it, tick that box, and then the, the next month, 13, and so on, and extend out. So it's just about making those little goals along the way. And that can be from anything from increasing the number of runs a week from three to four to five, to extending the runs out from 35 minutes to yeah. 65 minutes, to introducing sessions, to introducing strength and conditioning, all these little goals along the way. And what I would suggest as well, <clears throat> for most people, it would be a good idea to get involved in some sort of group on yeah. social media where they can share these ideas and yeah. also you'll get encouragement from other people. And, 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 and I think that's why I think Strava is fantastic because people are always encouraging people on there and saying, well done. And people recognize and can see the improvement that people are making. So, you know, that helps as well. So get involved yeah. with other people. No, for sure. Um, thank you for um, sharing some sort of tips and opportunities that people can make uh, during the times that we find ourselves in. Because uh, I, I appreciate that a lot of people appreciate uh, the advice because, you know, it's, it's just difficult times for everyone involved, really. Um, John, uh, I'd like to thank you for talking to me today. Um, but before I go, um, can you let us know and the listeners know where people can f- find you online and if they want to get in contact with you, how um, they can do that? First of all, please. thanks for having me on, Marcus. It's a pleasure. I enjoyed it very much. It's great because for me as well, it's a little bit cathartic so I can get out all of this as well because it's been building up in me to be able to try to get the message across to people and to try to help them. So that's great. So thanks for that. Um, in terms of yeah. getting in contact with me, um, my website is statusstable.com. Uh, everything's on there, really. So if anybody wants any advice or anything, they could, there's a way to contact me. I'm also on Strava, um, and I have the running group on there, Stasis Stable, uh, on the Strava group. I'm also on Instagram as Stasis Stable as well, um, and Facebook as well. So you know, just drop me a line if anybody wants any help with anything or needs any advice. Give me a shout. No problem at all. Thank you, John, for the conversation and sharing your experience. If you have any questions, get in touch with me at my Instagram page at The Marathon Marcus. Thank you for listening and keep running.